Oh, Ready. Hold on. There we go. Are you okay? I thought I made seltzer, but I just poured from the seltzer bottle before adding carbonation. So I went to take a sip and was like, oh, because it's just regular water. Flat water. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, uh, so I watched uh, Cohen Griffin on Monday night while Quinn and Matt went out and partied, which was so fun to mm-hmm. watch. You guys come home totally toasted. It At was like a nine. blast. <laughs> At like nine. Quinn's text me be like, this toilet rules. And it was like a sick bidet toilet. And then she's like, Matt's too drunk. I got to take him home. And then they come home. Well, I'm watching the kids and Co is laying in the bed as I'm putting him down. And he was like... It was the hardest day of my life. I was like, <laughs> I, was like I was like, why? And he was like, just like, nothing happened how I wanted it to. Just wow. nothing. Like, but so wise and so like, God, like he was beat down by the world. The world <laughs> got to him where he was like, man, you made him race crispy treats. What's he got to complain about? He has a lot to complain. I mean, it was I wasn't his parents, which is like a very fair thing to complain about. Because like I'll never, I don't yeah. care how many treats I give him, I'm not mom and dad. Mm-hmm. But like just him sitting there, oh, it's the hardest day of my life. Like it felt like I was watching a coal miner come back, like at the Chilean mining disaster of like the th- like. It just felt he was like, wow, today was tough. We lost a lot of good guys out there. Everybody's so serious in this house. Oh my god, I just went to go pour myself that seltzer and juice. Mm-hmm. Matt, you know what? For once, I know I never complain about my husband on this podcast, <laughs> but I'm going to go ahead and break tradition and say Matt screws lids onto things like someone's going to break into the house and get into that pickle jar or that apple juice. <laughs> he screws them on like, oh yeah. I double fucking dare you to get into this apple juice. It is absolutely insane. And I thought I was exaggerating it. And then when we were visiting my parents, my mom was like, oh, I can't open this jar. Matt must have been here. She he will screw. <laughs> Which, by the way, has like made, probably makes you more angry that somebody else notices it. And it's not just you. That's probably the worst <gasps> part is you're like, oh, I'm not crazy. It is just so funny because I'm like, what does he think is going to happen? That it's going to fall over in the fridge and he's going to prevent it from leaking, maybe? I'm not sure, like, but... Does he use his, like, full muscle force yes. to close things? Or do you think that maybe it's a masculine thing where he's like, now Quinn's going to have to come to me to open this jar. <laughs> I don't think and it's I'm gonna feel calculated good. at all. You're right. What Nothing I think it is, is, is I think it's maybe, like... Maybe he's pissed off and he's just like, gotta screw this on this kid. Like, maybe he's just... Fuck this tomato sauce. Fuck you! I hurt my hands. I don't know what I was doing. I was working at a house, um, just, like, getting things ready. You know, I assisted a house. And my hands were... I was... I put in some um, black cock. Uh, (laughs) Okay. I did that intentionally. But I had to put black cock... (laughs) In a door. Okay. And, uh, but anyway, so the next day my hands are really sore from working with this black cock. And, uh, <laughs> stop. please stop. It gets ridiculous. 
<laughs> but point. I had to put a sealant of black cock in a door frame. So it was my hands were really sore from working with this black cock. And um <laughs> so Cute. bad. Either way, the next so I I y'all, I got an air fryer. I don't think I've told you about that it. That was a yet. weird jump. <laughs> well, what happened was, was I was making this delicious taco, which I want to tell you the ingredients of the taco because it was I was really proud of it. But I was trying to open a pickle jar. And I was like, I, I usually I feel so independent. I feel so free. But I my hands were sore and I'm trying to open this fucking pickle jar. And I was like, is my single identity wrapped up in this pickle jar? The answer is, of course, it is. But I did end up getting it open, thank God. But it was a real struggle. Like it was it wasn't a real. Easy. It was not easy. And it really did make me question a lot of life choices. But it's OK because I had therapy later on that day. Okay, I got an air fryer. I got like a small little one because I'm by myself, so I don't need a huge one and I don't have a ton of counter space. But you're the second person in my life to get an air fryer in the and last talk like, about month. It. And pe- here's the thing it's, I think the air fryer is what the air fryer is to the 2020s as rotisserie, showtime rotisserie infomercial is to the 90s. I don't know it. Oh, don't you remember those infomercials that were on set it and forget it? Like, I think there are kitchen appliances that grab a generation and will not let go. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So I'm curious what you think, like the early 2000s, maybe is either way, people are obsessed with a fucking air fryer. What I made yesterday, though, was really fucking good. Trader Joe's chicken tenders. I did shredded lettuce, cheddar cheese, and then I did... Trader Joe's makes like a imitation Big Mac sauce. It put the edible in incredible. It was everything. Okay. It was everything. Anyway, so I got an air fryer. If you have any air fryer recipes, like feel free to send them my way. I'm like clearly experimenting with this thing. That's oh, man. That there was such good food at that event we went to that you were sitting for. I know. It I was, saw the pictures after and I was super jealous. Yeah, really good food. All you can drink. All you can drink is that's hard for anyone to navigate. And Matt's been doing this thing where he's been. Every in years past, he does a month sober, uh, soberary or whatever. And this year, instead of doing that, he's doing one week out of every single month. I love that. So it led into this. So he hadn't smoked pot, drank or had coffee for a week. And then we went to this event. And it was like that was and it was release. open bar and it was a little bit like was this the first month of him doing it? It was like someone turning twenty one. Did he? Mm. Was this no? A, this no. is he's the been third doing month. it. The third, yeah. How did has January and February how how have those like breaks gone? Like how like has, I think he Brian, doesn't binge typically. It's just a, because it's like you guys had this all you can drink. Do you know what's so weird? Matt used to really not drink a lot, mm-hmm. and he used to not have coffee. When we met and first started dating. Right. I think I ruined him. No, kids did. Really? Mm, I think it no, was me. It might I be think you. he started drinking more alcohol because of me and he started drinking coffee because of me. Well, listen, I think he, I, I don't. He could have been a healthy person and then you came I entered along? into his life and I no, you toxified let, his program. Thing. No, because you like get him to eat really good healthy food. Like you're really good about cooking. You cook him food. So I don't, I actually going to. You're just giving me a pass because I cook? No, here's what it is. I actually can identify with Matt in this situation. I do not drink alcohol by myself. I will not come home Mm -hmm. at night and be like, I'm going to have a beer or I'm going to pour myself a glass of wine. That is just not my bag. Mm -hmm. Um, No harm, no shame, no foul for anyone who does do that. It's just not my speed. 
But when I'm around people and they're drinking, I will absolutely participate. Like, it's very rare that I am like, no, I'm good. Like, I, if someone's drinking wine, I'm like, yeah, I'll have a glass. Like, it feels very socially motivated to me. Mm-hmm. And um, what about weed? Do you feel the same? Or you feel smoke the same? Weed alone? Mm-hmm. I don't smoke weed alone. No, mm-hmm. I'm like, I'll have like an edible. That sounds really healthy. <laughs> it because I'm better than everybody. You oh. know, that's oh, God, we forgot it. that I'm better than everybody. No, I. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, maybe there'll be times where like order some food and maybe on an occasion I'll have a little edible. But like, I don't. There was a moment where like I tried smoking weed by myself, like for food, but that doesn't interest me either. Mm-hmm. Like, I, listen. I can have fun by myself and eat as much food as I want, sans weed and alcohol. So I feel good about that. However, when I was living with my parents for the pandemic, my mom and dad have like, they love wine. They have a good time. And so we'd be at dinner and my mom was like, I'm going to open a glass of wine, a bottle of wine. And I was like, all right, I'll have some wine. And I found myself drinking every night because it was social. Mm-hmm. And that, that actually I don't think is good for me personally. Mm-hmm. Um and just as like alcohol is a depressant and that works on me. And if I have too much of it over a long period of time, it affects me negatively. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I, so I can identify with Matt where it's like, if you're like, I'm going to have a glass of wine. He's like, yeah, I will, too. I'll join you. No, but I really ruined him in a way where I don't do that even. Mm. He's now like a get home from whatever. It's five o'clock. He cracks a beer. And that was not. That was not his a part style. Of that, yeah, I remember because when I met him and I was going through a divorce, I would be like, "Let's have a drink," and he'd be like, "Why don't I make you some tea?" <laughs> Granted, like I was. Do you think this happened more when you had kids, or is it like what? What is the what is the when you moved yeah, in I with Matt? I definitely think you crack a beer at five o'clock because of kids, and I also you like that's... they've survived a day. Like yeah, yeah, thank You're, God, it does feel like. It's Here's a celebration. With little ones at home all day, and you're like doing it, doing it, doing it, Round. playing monster, yeah. building a fort. You're fucking doing it. And then at the end, you're like, you know what? I deserve a little something. And I think whether that's chocolate or um, a beer or whatever, everybody has their own yeah. little dealing. I mean, Matt's going to take Koa this weekend to see um, Beauty and the Beast at Puppet Works. Like, no. yeah, it's so great. It's a real, it's a real actor playing the beast and then puppets doing all the other characters. How fun is that? I Wait, wish I'm I could so go. Ex- is it his first theater? No, I took him to the steadfast tin soldier at this puppet place. Uh, and it was a successful, I think we're taking the boys to see Mary Poppins live and mm. they love Mary Poppins. Mm. So hates really- Mary Poppins. Yeah, he does. I he love hates Mary Poppins, and he is very troubled by the chimney sweeps. He asks me frequently, so they don't do that anymore, right? And I'm like, chimney sweeps? And I'm like, yeah, they don't. And he's like, it's too dangerous. And he's like, really wants to talk about. <laughs> That's his takeaway <laughs> for Mary Poppins. That's really funny. So, like, he thinks the chimney sweeping's a bad idea. Matt just texted me, your seltzer is out here. So I made a seltzer. And poured it? I'm just going to say, can I have it? <laughs> I mean, I want it. I have this, like, cup of apple juice mixed with flat water. It makes me feel depressed. So does the lighting in this room. 
Yeah, and me, and the look of me. And the look of you sitting across from me. There he is. Oh, you can have it all right. Garçon. 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 Wait, can I give you this? Merci. Do you want this mix of, that I accidentally made, which is water and apple juice? So basically it's Koa's Koa's drink. drink. Just put it somewhere for him. Put it in the fridge for his drink. Try your seltzer. Is it bubbly? Try it. 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 Is it bubbles? Does it bubble so much that it hurts the back of your throat? Oh, no. That sounds terrible. That actually sounds like it's truly darkly. <gasps> Creepily. With the lovely, the delightful, the unmatched, the beautiful, the blonde. Carrie Ippaman. And with the fun, awesome, hilarious, boss lady, mother of the year, super mom, Quinlan Foster. <laughs> Woo! The crowd goes wild. I'm doing nothing. <laughs> We're recording this all on a holiday. It's a holiday today. It's Happy St. Patrick's Happy Day. Happy St. Patrick's Day. Not when you listen to it, but when it was recorded. And Quinn texted me this morning says, said, don't forget to wear green. And I don't have a ton of green, but I look like I am in the army. I have a lot of fatigue green color like she looks I, like she's in a ghillie suit she looks like she's trying to hide across from me she's trying to camouflage so i won't be able like to see green, her green curtains <laughs> and my pants are like a little bit wood color so mm-hmm. it feels like like is this it oh my this god we were late for school this morning and i was getting co ready and he's wearing like a green shirt and matt we're like late getting out the door and matt's like wait shouldn't he wear his windbreaker it's green wait Shouldn't you wear this sweater? It's green. Like, trying to throw more green clothes on Koa as he's out the door. It's funny. I had a similar experience, but I dressed myself. Do you like Guinness? No. I love Guinness. I Maybe I'm doing it wrong. This is so random, but you know Irish car bombs? Mm -hmm. Where you drop a... Bailey's in a Guinness. In a Guinness and down it. Did you want to do that tonight? Well, I... Fun (laughs) fact that I might surprise you. You're really good at them? In a crazy way that I don't know how to say except that... I'm so good at them. And I remember finding that out at some point in college, obviously, and being like, like everybody being like, whoa, that was crazy. I actually can imagine that. It doesn't surprise me. And then everybody being like, let's do it again. And me being about a billion times faster again. And then me being like, I think two is my limit. So really, I'm not going to have another Irish car bomb. But then flash forward years later and... Matt and I went to a wedding, and the dad was buying all the guys Irish car bombs, mm-hmm. in, which was a very weird sexist moment that rubbed me wrong anyway. But then there was one extra, and so they were like, do you want to do one with us? And I was like, yeah. And it was me, six guys that he bought car bombs for and himself. And beat all I knew. Like, I was like, I, I have something I'm about on my sleeve. to fucking... Sexism? What sexism? Where? I'm about to, I'm about to go. It's it's women's month. Let's go. These motherfuckers yeah. with yeah my embarrassment. Skills. So I like did it in a way where the dad was like visibly angry that wait, I was so who's, much. Wait, whose dad did this? You don't know the person at all. But it was at a wedding. It was at a wedding. You could tell like he got red, you know, and he was like, "Whoa, that was really crazy." I feel like, like he and? was like an inch away from being like, what kind of woman are you? But, <laughs> and I was like, I'm a woman that can do an Irish car bomb in two fucking seconds. I'm a woman seconds. that, guess what? You underestimated. 
Anyway, well, if you want to do Irish car bombs tonight, we can, but I'll be so much faster. It might make you angry. We All right. Here's what I want to tell you. Let's give a thank you to Lizzie. Lizzie, Lizzie girl, I like water, water but only if it's fizzy. That's it. <laughs> Lizzie, Lizzie, you're so fizzy. Thanks for joining Patriizzy. Uh-huh. What about Brenna? Brenna. Brenna. Not Lisa Renna. Your name is Brenna. And you are a gem. It cannot be denimmed. That's as close as you can rhyme that word with denied. Denim. <laughs> it's hey Brenna. It's not a dilemma. We, we love an enema of Brenna. <laughs> That's horrible. All right, all right, all right. Moving on. Now a word from our sponsors. I want to tell you about the podcast that I'm binging right now, dear readers. It's called Foul Play, a true crime podcast. And there are six different seasons that take a total deep dive into different true crime stories. Four years ago, investigative journalist Shane Waters started digging into this mystery and traveling to locations where six victims' bodies had been found, and he planted red crosses there. That was the start of his producing season one, which details what has been dubbed the Redhead Murders. But I'm actually binging season three right now, which is about the Speed Freak Killers. Do you want to know the best part? That season is 20 episodes. Oh, the level of research and details is incredible. And I know that it's going to draw you guys in just like it did me. Shane's coverage of these cases is honest, intriguing, and super thorough. You will be, though, on pins and needles just waiting for the next episode. So Foul Play is available wherever you listen to podcasts, and I suggest that you start listening today. All right, you have to go. Listen, I think you have Quinn will Quinn Win would warn me. <laughs> Quinn warned me that this is a long one. Yeah, it's you're gonna I wonder if you'll be interested to know that I broke it down in a very untraditional way and it's gonna be a two episode story. Is what I decided to go with. Cause I kept like being like, should I not say that? Like it, there's too many notes I have and it's just was That's I didn't want to take over the whole vibe of the day. So instead, I'm wow, going to present wow. this in little two shifties. Two shifts. Um, and maybe I broke it up funny. Maybe it's going to be really awkward. Maybe we'll hear from the dear readers and you guys will be like, hey, mm, we just don't do it again. And like, what do you try to do? Or be like, a journalist? Settle down. <laughs> know how thyself. Many, how many pages are your research? 36. No. <laughs> it's like <laughs> eight pages. Yeah. But that's too many. Oh, it's 10. It's too many. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's go. I mean, we should jump in. All right. Sure. So what I have to tell you is that um, I listened to a podcast called Phoebe's Fall, and I looked at um, a website called PhoebeHandsJuck.com, which is a website that her family put out. Mm -hmm. Daily Mail, The Age, Sydney Morning Herald, 60 Minutes Australia, CrimeReads.com, and Marie Claire course then there was i also read a couple coroner's reports 
So you know kind of what we're dealing with. When You went on I... such a deep dive. Well, this is a really interesting story, and it's usually told from the perspective of not told from the perspective. Usually the emphasis is on a different syllable than I'm going to be starting with, which is to say, um, obviously you just heard me mention the name Phoebe hands Jack a lot. And that is something a lot of people have done podcasts on. And there's, even though it's very mysterious, there's a lot of information on it. There's not so much information on a different woman that I'm going to be starting the story with today. And that woman's name is Bailey Schneider. Okay. It is maybe controversial in some ways that I am tying these two different stories together. And you'll see why. Okay. But I did want to do it this way. And I, you know what? Hey, I fucking stand by it. You know what, Quinn? Here's I the deal. I sit by it on I my beanbag. This. this is our podcast. It is self-produced. It is self-managed. It's just you and I mm-hmm. who are, it's just you and me who right. are doing we this. Have we have no bosses. We are, in fact, I view you as my boss. So whatever oh you gosh, say, Oh that's go, great. I view you as my employee. <laughs> so that works out well all right perfect that works out perfectly well same page um and you know what you're promoted for what you just said um (laughs) i got a promotion yes title only title only (laughs) bailey schneider let's start there she's born in queensland and grows up in tasmania and then when she's 19 moves to melbourne Um, So she's 25 years old at the point of our story, and she's working as a model and a dental assistant. She's also going to college to be a clinical esthetician. And her parents have had cause to be a little worried about her. Okay. And they've convinced her to move back in with them to, I think, just keep her environment more, I don't want to say controlled, maybe stable's the word. She has enrolled in a course And her father would describe her as, quote, like, getting her life back on track. Why was it off track? Well, she has depression. She is taking medication for that um, in the form of Zoloft. But she's also definitely doing the self-medication thing. And she's drinking a lot. And she's using drugs, namely cocaine. In the past few months, she started a new relationship with an older man. I think at the time of their relationship, he's like 52. Okay. She's 25. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Double hurt the age, double the fun, not so Mm. much always. The year is 2018. It's June. She tells her parents, I'm going to go to a barbecue with my boyfriend and spend the night. She doesn't do that. She actually goes to a nightclub where she works as a dancer And she dances from, like, 7 to 1 in the morning. Okay. At around 1, she then goes to a house party in this fancy kind of upscale neighborhood. She spent a lot of her time at the party that night arguing with her boyfriend over text message. Mm -hmm. Her spin that she tells her parents i don't want to say spin i think she really thought this what she tells her parents about her boyfriend is that he is helping her he's trying to encourage her to moderate her drinking he's trying to help her improve her self-esteem he's like trying to get her to be vegan he's you know he's basically like let me Opposite help you of what you do to matt okay <laughs> I'm just 
Exactly. He is um, a music and venue promoter, and he's kind of like A-list. Like, he's doing really well for himself. Okay. He also comes from a kind of prestigious family. Uh, His dad is a former Supreme Court justice, and his stepmom is a county court judge. So both his parents are judges. Okay. So the next morning after this night, she shows up back at home at like, I don't know, eight or nine in the morning. It's a Saturday. And she goes to her room and she's crying. And her mom comes and she's like, Anthony and I broke up. Our worlds are just too different. Mm -hmm. But she's really sad. But she says it was kind of like a mutual decision, but she's really broken up about it. She goes downstairs, she gets on the couch, she's kind of snuggling with the family dog, and she's going to, like, watch Netflix and chill. And her parents are going to go shopping. So they leave. And later that morning, her brother sees her outside in the yard on the phone having an argument. And he kind of has that vibe of, like, are you are you good? You good? And yeah. she's got the, like, I'm okay, I'm okay kind of thing going on. So he's like, okay. Um, when the parents return home... They see that she's lying in the kitchen unconscious. She's on the floor with like her head against a cabinet, kind of like awkward angle. Oh, my God. And they see a little bit of blood coming out of her nose. Her dad gets closer and realizes around her neck is a gold curtain cord tied tightly around it. He tries to untie it and can't. It's so into her tight. She's not breathing. There's no pulse. He starts to give her mouth to mouth. The mom calls um, emergency services and they over the phone on speaker are walking him through CPR, which he's trying to administer. The paramedics arrive. They continue the CPR. It is all for naught. Bailey dies. Oh, my God. They conclude she's taken her own life. That it was a suicide. That the cause of death was neck compression. They're basically like she hung herself. The coroner says, look, the death is not considered suspicious. She has cocaine in her system, Zoloft, Xanax, and alcohol. There's like a pretty empty bottle or two-thirds empty bottle of wine in the kitchen that they think she was drinking. There's remnants of it. It looked like she smoked a cigarette and poured herself some wine. There's no point that they can figure out. The parents are like, wait, she hung herself? From what? Yeah. From what? Seems like a really, really important question to answer. Because you can't possibly, like, tie your own. Like, that is. The police are like, we're goodbye. And the parents are kind of like, do you want to seize anybody's, like, phone? Do you want to check her phone, maybe? And they're like, hmm. (laughs) They're like, please? Like, basically, they urge them to take the phone. The police are like, we just don't see it being probable that there was a third party involved in this. And then they do this thing where they test, they look at like stuff on the cord that was around her neck. And they're like, it looks like it matches, could be a match for some material that is the top of this pantry door. So maybe she hung herself from the top of this pantry door. And maybe we saw her jacket on the ground. Maybe her jacket was used to prop the door so that it wouldn't swing. And they kind of have this whole 
theory on how it went down. Uh-huh. And they're like, if she hung herself in this way, we don't even think she'd have have to hung very long to okay. have done this to herself. I think they're also pretty quick to rule it suicide because she had been to the hospital for a really deep cut that was a self-harm situation. Right. Um, and they even called it a possible suicide attempt. Okay. In the months leading up to Bailey's death, something really strange happened that we don't have all the details on. I'm going to tell you what I know. A strange man came to her home that no one knew. Bailey's brother and their friends saw this. They were, like, partying at the house that night. The man didn't go up to the front door. He went around back looking for Bailey, which struck everyone as kind of strange. Nobody in the house knew him. Bailey left with him. She later tells her sister that she had been sexually assaulted, like attacked in a hotel room that night by a man. We don't know if it's the man she left with. We don't know if it's a different man. She didn't want to talk to Anthony about this. And a detective got assigned to investigate that. And then Bailey decided, no, I don't want you to investigate it. And I don't want to press charges. And she withdrew her complaint. That is something we don't have a lot of details on. But given what happened to Bailey, I think it's really it worth be- mentioning. Totally. Um, this is maybe not worth mentioning, but I still think it's so sad. So I'm going to say that the one of the last things, actually the last thing I believe she posted on Facebook. They had there was um, a rape and a murder of a comedian, a female comedian. And then the police put out a message urging people to take care while walking alone at night. Mm-hmm. And she wrote, how about it's just not okay to assault and murder women? How are women supposed to come forward about rape and assault when the police make comments like this and victim blame? Mm. And she died just a few days after posting this, which is so crazy. That that was like one of the last things she publicly said. Yeah. I, I don't think it has any tie-in. I just think it's like a sad coincidence, sort of. Totally. Well, I think the tie-in is that, like, clearly there, clearly this affects or this idea of blaming the victim. I mean, like, I mean, I think most women it affects pretty obviously. Mm-hmm. But it's like if we're if we're following the line of that she is the survivor of an assault um, and she ended up turning down the charges maybe because she felt some of that energy, like maybe there's some anger there, right? Like, I mean, if, if that's the thread. It's that, personal. Yeah. Anthony, her boyfriend... Says to everybody, we weren't in a serious relationship, but even though Bailey was pretty secretive about their relationship, like the the parents never met Anthony or anything like that. Yeah. She called him her boyfriend. Right. um, And was obviously really upset about their breakup. There's also evidence the police see uh, via the phone records that they had a lot of communication and that they had been on at least two trips together. That's serious. They do not ever regard him as a suspect in her death. Mm-hmm. He was attending an event in the city at the he time. He had an alibi. Yes. And he was initially questioned, but they clear him. 
So they so they did do some like the coroner report basically is like suicide, but before that came back, they sort of were interviewing everybody around her. It sounds like I think so. I'm not. I'm super fuzzy on the timeline for this particular death, Bailey's death. There's not as much information as one would hope or like, and right. it's so recent, which is to say, 2018. Yeah. Um. But the mom, the parents were like, the legal system absolutely failed. They totally botched this. Bailey's family, her parents and siblings do not believe that she would have taken her own life. Right. They start campaigning to raise funds to investigate. Right. They said 15 months in and we are still waiting on a ruling from the coroner. We have been given no answers to how she ended up dead on the kitchen floor with a cord tied tightly around her neck with no hanging point to find. Her phone that was taken, we have been given nothing from police or coroner. And now this leaves us with no further option than to ask for an inquest into her death in the likely case of her death being ruled a suicide, which it was. Bailey deserves justice. Nothing will ever bring her back. But we as her family and her friends need answers. Mm -hmm. So that was 15 months in. Then it was ruled a suicide. Then, finally, a year and a half later, in 2019, her case, which seemingly was case closed, was referred to homicide detectives. So I don't know if they found something new or what. And this was in 2019. And now here we are three years later. And we don't know any more than this. But we know that it was referred to homicide detectives. Whoa. Yes. So I think I still have enough time that I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to begin this. All right. So here's what I want to say. We're now going to move into a different young woman who died. Okay. And her name is Phoebe Hansjeck. She studied creative arts and wrote poetry and was like crazy, crazy athletic, like she like got fast tracked for a black belt where they were like, "You're really good. You only need to study for ten more minutes, and we'll like give you a black belt." Like she, she was like amazing, and so so beautiful, which I wouldn't even mention except that I was like stunned by her beauty. <laughs> I was like, "Oh my god, she's so pretty." She also has kind of um, battled depression, and she has started experimenting with drugs at a really young age. She was like clubbing when she was thirteen. Okay. Um, she's using alcohol to deal with her anxiety. She's taking medication for depression. She's seeing a counselor. There was a quote about her that her family said she felt things deeply and at times was prone to melancholy. She had a fierce sense of justice. She is kind of impulsive is the picture I was getting of her. There was a story that one of her friends told that I really liked that was that she got her job at McDonald's and that she didn't like it on her second day, but the uniform they give you, you basically, they own it. Right. Right. So if you were to take it, they'd like bill you for it. Right. (laughs) She goes in the back room and takes it off and gets in her underwear and just leaves through the back door. She just goes home in her underwear, like does not tell them. It's just like, (laughs) peace. I don't like this job. Peace. Um, The stories about her, it's impossible not to love this woman. She was really um, 
really sensitive and was wrote really beautiful poetry and really into art. She has a history of dating older men. Um, like there was a story. I was listening to this podcast about her mm-hmm. and I was reading up on her and there was all these stories about like when she was a teenager, she was in an art class and wanted to date, wanted to sleep with the teacher and like told him and got kicked out of the art class. Then she does end up in a serious relationship with a teacher when she was 16 and he's 30 and they date for years. I I didn't dive too deep into this because I didn't want to hit my head on a rapist, but I felt yeah. like she over and over again. I didn't want to hit again. my head on a rapist, she says. <laughs> but she over and over again exhibits a pattern that that is who she's attracted to or much older okay. men. If she starts dating Anthony, I'm She dead. of course starts dating Anthony. Jesus Christ. She's been is that dating what this him. connecting this, these two cases That together. is the connection and that, and it is the reason I call it... Um, it's uh, controversial to connect the, the two. The reason I would call it controversial, I would just say it's tricky. Let me put it this way. Every single article you will read about Phoebe Hansjack will say in the article, Marie Claire is not trying to say that Anthony did this. Like every article goes well out of their way to have an entire, I don't know if that's commonplace for not wanting to get sued, but every article I read, the publication in the article has to has say, a we don't think it's him. Or we, says, like, we, we're not, we're ta- not saying that every single time you read about this. And it made me anxious frankly totally because i was also like yeah this guy's parents are judges they're really powerful people feel nervous are you nervous about doing the story no i mean i'm nervous am i nervous he's gonna date me and kill me of course (laughs) (laughs) aren't you i mean i'm more worried about me dating this guy you know i mean here's the thing like i I, you're married me (laughs) could go either way (laughs) well all right, let me. Oh, oh, this is so hard to wade through because there's so much. So yes, she's dating Anthony, and they've been dating for a year and a half before she will die. She's 24 at the time. He's in his 40s. They're living in his place together. So I just want to clarify: he, Anthony, is dating Phoebe 10 years before he ever meets Bailey. Yes, thank you. They're living in his, like, luxury, fancy apartment together. She's paying him rent, um, which is, like, I think he was strict with her in the relationship, almost in a weird parenty way, where he was like, you have to be responsible, so you got to pay rent. Um, By the way, Anthony goes by Ant, so I'm going to call him Ant from here on out because that's what everybody calls him. Um, In the months leading up to Phoebe's death, she has been staying with friends and relatives off and on constantly. Her grandma, who she's really close to, and friends of hers, because she keeps breaking up with him Mm -hmm. over and over again. And it feels like there's really a pattern where she will decide definitively to leave. She will go somewhere and be there a few days, and then he'll talk her back into the relationship. Mm-hmm. But she finds him controlling. And again, like Bailey, he paints a picture of, I'm really trying to help this young girl get her life in order. I'm trying to 
prevent her from doing all these self-destructive things. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to help her get her drinking under control. I'm a worried boyfriend. He says she was drinking more and more and more leading up to this and that her behavior was getting more erratic. I don't think that's an unfair characterization at all. And I think her friends would agree with it. Okay. She has a friend that she, a few days before her death, goes out with and gets drinks and the next day texts him. Like, if he doesn't text her back, she's going to vanish herself. Like, she makes very cryptic comments often about wanting to jump off buildings. She does really reckless things. Her behavior is definitely erratic. Okay. But, like I said, she's this erratic, big emotions, big feelings artist. And Anthony's this older man that's like, this is how I want things to be. He would tell his cleaning woman who cleaned his apartment, I want it to look like no one lives here. And he would want it perfect. Everything should look really Like American Psycho vibes. Totally American Psycho vibes. Meanwhile, she would worry because she wanted everything to be, like, cluttered in her art. And she would work on her art and, like, get ink on his furniture and then freak out about trying to hide it from him. So they have these very different... They're going down different paths anyway. It doesn't sound like it was a match made in heaven, no matter how you're looking at it. She, a few weeks before her death, also said to her mom... Her mom had told her... I'll pay for you to do a trip overseas mm-hmm. at some point. And she wrote her mom to be like, hey, I'm just checking in. Is that trip still on the table? I might want to do it. I might want to do it soon. And I might want to do it with very little notice. Further indicating that she had pretty clear plans that I feel like she really wanted to get away from Anthony. And she was having a lot of trouble. Committing to staying away. So Yeah. yeah. And that would have been maybe a good way for her to do it, I think, would be like, I just to need just to like, cut get ties the and fuck go. out of here. Right. And another thing the friends witness is that they're fighting a lot. And when they're fighting, you'll be hanging out with Phoebe and Aunt will be calling her phone nonstop where she's like, reject, reject, reject. Like she's like hanging out with you. And that's creepy. That's that. That in a relationship I don't care if you're fighting. Everybody fights. There's something that freaks me about that, like, I'm calling you over and over and over and over and over and over over again. There's something that I find really disrespectful or something about that. It's, yeah, it it gives me a pit in my stomach of, like, ugh, like, if this, yeah, it's just controlling. It feels really bad to watch. Yeah. Yes, she's breaking up with him, but it goes both ways. In the weeks leading up, like, she calls her dad at one point and is like, aunt kicked me out. Like, he has to come pick her yeah, up. Yeah, it's so not, it's, yeah, it just sounds like a really fucking toxic. It's fucking over the top. They break up at least four times in the month and a half leading up to her death. Right. I want to talk a little bit more about the days leading up to her death. And then maybe we'll call it quits till next week on this story. Okay. So she had been up to her old tricks, staying out late and partying. She ends up writing a guy she knew a year ago that she took like an art class with or a writing class. And she writes him on Facebook and is like, do you want to meet up? I need someone to talk to. I'm burdening my family too much with this stuff. They end up meeting up to talk and she takes ecstasy and goes to his place to see his art and tries to kiss him. He says he doesn't kiss her. And she gets pissed. 
and a switch flips. And he says she went from like zero to 60 and was got like almost violent with him. Right. But he's also painting a picture. Here's another person that I'm telling you enters the story that is saying this person was not well. Yeah. They were all over the place. Right. On December 1st, she gets home really late from seeing this person. She sleeps in. Anthony goes to work and takes her phone, he says, with him. Controlling move, right? He says it was to get it fixed. He says he was bringing her iPhone in to get it repaired. He will later change his story about this and say it wasn't that day, December 1st. It was December 2nd. It definitely seems like it might have been because all of her family, her boss, and Anthony get a very, very weird text on December 1st at about 10.30 a.m. from her. Let me read you this text message. Hi, family. I am in bed about to sleep, and when I wake, I will transform into the most incredible human being you've ever seen. Not, I will go to hospital. It's safer there, and I hear the special tonight is tomato soup. Delicious. Nutritious. I love you all very much, but not enough to send an individual text. Sorry about that, but time is sleep, and I must be on my way. Merrily, 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 life is but a dream. XO. If you got a text like that, what the fuck would you think? She's going to hurt herself. Yeah, her family's like, what? So the mom calls the grandma and is like, you got to figure out what's going on. They call Anthony. And Anthony's like, you guys, don't worry. She was sleeping off a bender when I left for work this morning. But I will go home. And I will check on her today. And he then lets them know, I did go home. I did check on her. She had been taking, she took a couple sleeping pills that were his prescription. And he was like, I took the bottle of pills with me just in case she forgets she took them and takes more. Here's what I want you <laughs> Sorry, to know. My about- reaction, my physical reaction is like, no, 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 no. Like, no, no. Sorry. That's not what you do. You bring her to hospital. You don't let her you, or you tell someone someone needs to be with her the whole time. Well, here's something really interesting. They have a building that you use a key fob to get into, and you have a personal key fob. It lets and you it, into the building. It, it's what it's what allows you to go to your floor on the elevator. It's right. what allows you, and the building's like a computer, basically. It's yeah. like a robot. So it can, computer. you can see where when who came. Did there's he come? no record that he checked on her at all, at all, at all. Maybe he just said it to make them feel better. I don't know. What we do know is she's okay. The cleaning lady comes that day in the afternoon and sees her and she's like tired and kind of like comes into the living room and they kind of have a quick little moment, Uh huh. but she's okay. Okay. Not only does the cleaning lady see her, but that night, Anthony says he gets home from work, runs her bath, gives her a massage, boyfriend of the year. She talks to her dad on the phone. Okay. That night. December 1st. And I'm okay. 
I'll see you tomorrow. They're going to have a belated birthday dinner for her dad at like a Thai restaurant. Her, Anthony, and her dad are going out tomorrow. Don't worry about me. I'll see you tomorrow. Okay? And he then, would not see Phoebe tomorrow. And then December 2nd, her boyfriend take, aunt takes her phone away from her and takes it to get it fixed. Unverified. I think we should stop there because the next day is the day that is majorly in question and that something will happen to Phoebe. And I want to go through everything that happens that day and talk to you about it. But I think we're better served by my telling it next time because once we start getting into it, it is like a hole that I'm going to have to keep digging deeper and deeper and deeper because this shit gets crazier than you can possibly imagine. Well, if that doesn't make you want to tune in next week, then I don't know what does. Let's do your story. Well, first, we got to do a word from our sponsors. Don't tell me what to do. But you can tell our sponsors what to do. You, you're you their boss. That's the hierarchy. It's me, <laughs> then you, then our, then sponsors. our sponsors. Fair. All right, sponsors, do your worst, which is just us talking about them. Cool. Let's go. <laughs> Here's the thing. You know I have a hard time finding a bra. Like, yes. you know. And it's really hard to find bras that are comfortable, that work, that don't have an underwire. This website, Davy Piper, their whole mission is a comfortable bra for every woman of every size. I am wearing a bra that is not underwire, that fits me, that is incredibly comfortable. Which bra do you have on now? I have on the Nelly Simply bra. It's a wireless bra and I got it in twilight, which is like really cute mauve color. I came here in another bra. And she switched into this bra. I switched into this bra. I tried it on. And I was like, well, I'm wearing the Francesca Capri leggings. They are so comfortable. It's crazy. They're high-waisted, which I love. They're great for working out. They're great for working out. I can put my phone in the pocket. I also just want to say, too, that, like, the Davy Piper mission statement, I'm I'm really into. Um, they believe in, like, confident style and comfort no matter age or body type. You can go to um, DavyPiper.com and use the discount code TDC20 and save 20% on your purchase. That's D-A-V-Y-P-I-P-E-R.com. TDC20. Go and let your boobs breathe. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, everyone. I'm Talia, attorney and co-host of the true crime podcast, Crimes and Consequences. Listen to Crimes and Consequences to hear your favorite true crime cases, plus many murder stories you've never heard before. At Crimes and Consequences, we dive deep into the details of the crime So if you have a fascination with the morbid side of human nature, you're really going to want to check us out. Go to Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else you listen to your favorite true crime stories and subscribe to Crimes and Consequences, a hardcore true crime podcast. Okay, wow. I feel like a little unsettled based on your story. So I'm going to just tell this quick little guy. This is a story of Anaya Blanchard. Anaya Blanchard, I got this information from Wikipedia, CBS News, um, 48 Hours. There's an episode called Fighting for Anaya, Essence Magazine, and Alabama.com. So Anaya, what, what a special person this woman was. And spoiler alert, she's... 
watching footage and videos of friends talking about her, she was just like a really fucking amazing person. She was actually born on the same day as her mom, so they share a birthday. Her mom's an ER nurse and has worked on, you know, sexual assault cases as an ER nurse. That's something that her mom has sort of instilled in Anaya. And we find out um, that Anaya is someone who's like, have has this deep-seated fear of being attacked or kidnapped or murdered. And this is something that, like, her friends would talk about and be like, you know, and I would, like, go into a house and she was the type of person to check every room. Like, I think so. It, that she's someone we know or we are. You know what I mean? Like, she was always, like, she never wanted to be anywhere by herself. Like, she was always just very aware of her surroundings. And I think, you know, we've talked about this often about, like, well, I have of, like, Before I knew what was going on and what the talk was, what sex was, I feel like I was taught not to, to, to be careful of my surroundings and like stranger danger. And I think this was even more present with her mother because her mother was an ER nurse and had like very firsthand knowledge of sexual abuse and sexual assault cases. Mm -hmm. And so she was a sexual assault nurse, she says, for 20 years. And so she saw all this stuff so I think part of that conversation why Anaya was scared that someone would hurt her um, and she was always paranoid. Um, and she was someone, Anaya, like I said, she was someone also who would like put something in front of her door at night before mm-hmm. going to bed um, because she didn't want someone to come and get her. She had this fear constantly. Wow. She is the stepdaughter of a UFC heavyweight fighter, this guy, Walt Harris. He's ninth in the world. Um, Her biological father is a pastor and everyone is really close. Like she meets her stepdad when she's four years old and um, he treats her like his own kid. You know, she has a brother. So it's her and her brother from her biological father and mother. And then um, her stepfather and mother have two kids. And they talk about how Anaya helped raise those two kids. She was, like, incredibly nurturing. She um, she played softball. Like, she was a good little athlete. She played softball. And she did this thing after every game where she would invite the opposing team, win or lose, whoever did it, to the pitcher's mound to do high fives, but also to say the Lord's Prayer. Like, everything about, I mean, they were a very religious family, yeah, but, like, yeah. everything about her, she just is, like, mm-hmm. a really nice Big person. Heart. She was, like, a happy kid. She was loving. She was giving. She was really close to her brother. Um, they were 17 months apart. They would talk every day. Every morning, her mom and her would FaceTime, like, what are you up to today? She babysat a family, and they considered her another mom. Like, it was this woman who worked, and she would go and take care of the kids in the morning, And, like, the kids loved her. Like, she just was, like, an amazing person. She's 19 years old. It's October 23rd, 2019. Her mom and her brother and her all go to a funeral. That's four hours away from the college town um, from Auburn. So her brother goes to Auburn University. She goes to the local community college, but she's three miles away from her brother. And she's, like, planning on transferring into Auburn. Mm -hmm. But she's close with her brother, and she's physically close to her brother. So they're two hours away from their hometown. Um, So she's at the funeral with her mom and her brother, and she's like, listen, we got to go back to school. It's a four-hour drive. And her mom's like, okay, I love you. Gives her a kiss with her brother. They leave. Two hours in, they stop home to visit her stepfather, and it's a quick little visit. They see him, they give him a hug, they say, I love you, and they leave. They drive the two hours the rest of the way to Auburn, and um, 
by the time they get here, it's like 11 p.m. So she drops up at, she drops off her brother at his apartment and it's three miles away from her house. And he's like, text me when you get home, you know, brother vibes. And, um, and then her roommate who she lives with, this woman, Sarah, she, they share each other's location on their phone, Mm -hmm. you know, the Mm -hmm. safe thing to do. And so at 1109, her roommate texts her and is like, hey, are you headed home? She texts her friend Sarah, yeah, I'm on my way. It should take 10 minutes to get from her brother's apartment to her place. And her roommate is waiting for her. And it's like 30, 40 minutes later. Mm -hmm. And she's not, she's not home. So Sarah texts her, hey, like, did you, are you on your way home? Did you go out without me? And Anaya replies, I'm smoking a blunt, LOL. Now, the word blunt, like, took Sarah by surprise, and she's like, wait, what? Like, this be like, if I texted you that? Yeah. And you'd be like, what? You'd be like, what the <laughs> fuck is going on? And so Sarah inquires, like, who are you smoking with? And Anaya's like, Eric. And she's like, who's Eric? And she's like, it's this guy I just met. So at 11.43 p.m., that was the last text between Anaya and her roommate. And her roommate was like, this is weird. This is really unlike... Anaya. Anaya has a dog at home who she loves. She's supposed to be working the next day. And Sarah's like, this doesn't feel like my friend. Like she would never go out with a guy she met one night. She would not be saying the word blunt. Like there was just some weird vibes about this. She's like, this isn't her texting. This isn't her texting. This is, she just was like, but she, I mean, she tracked her location and she saw her at a nearby apartment complex. And so she was like, Okay, like, you know, that Go like check on her, man. You Go. don't want to be an, Yeah, but it's not like Sarah yeah. heard from her and she has her location. I think there's like this yes. false sense of safety. Mm. And so the next morning, her mom FaceTimes her and Anaya doesn't pick up. And her mom's like, That's so weird. This is what she does every day. She calls every day. Sarah wakes up. She's not in her apartment. Um, her dog has been left unattended overnight, which again, Anaya would never do. Sarah's like looking at her location and she realizes the phone is off. There's no location. She can't track her. So Sarah like immediately hops in the car and just starts driving around looking for her car, like immediately gets in her car and just goes. Meanwhile, Anaya was supposed to go to the family to babysit. She doesn't show up, Mm -hmm. obviously. So this is all very strange. It's all very uncharacteristic. And it's very quick to be like something is really fucking wrong. So her roommate calls her brother, who's three miles away. And she's like, and I didn't come home last night. Here's what I know, blah, blah, blah. So then her brother gets in the car, starts looking for her. He immediately calls his parents. They're like, this is wrong. What's going on? They head right up to Auburn and they start looking for her. Her friends from back home, who's like her best friends, are two, three hours away. They get in their car. They come up to Auburn right away. Her brother texts the family she's supposed to be watching. They're, you know, like everybody, it's very quick to realize something bad has happened. And where is Anaya? Because it's just not actually. Like they know her well enough that all of this is. Exactly right. They're looking for her. They're looking. In fact, like the little kids she babysits, like when it starts to realize that like she's missing, the little kids, 
and I don't know their ages, but they're young. The mom talks about how they like got their tablet and they just searched how many homes are in Montgomery, Alabama. And she was like, why are you doing it? We just have to know how many doors we have to knock on to find Anaya. <laughs> like these little kids loved her. So. I wonder what the answer was. Side note. It's <laughs> a great question. I did not look that up. That was not a part of my research. So two days later, October 25th, they find her car, her Honda CRV, and it's 50 files, 55 miles away from the car. Uh, it's 55 miles away, and it's in an apartment complex. The car is super damaged, and a passenger seat is soaked in blood, and there's a bullet casing through the door. So the police are like, okay, this is someone who had a life-threatening injury. Like, what happened? Um... And the outside of the car is pretty beat up, almost like there might have been a physical altercation while it was in motion or something. So they start to, like, see what's going on and they start to put together, like, her time of movements. Because, again, she's unaccounted for from, like, 1109 to 1143. I mean, she's unaccounted for a lot, but, like, 1109 to 1143, she was texting. So they find that she had stopped off at a gas station her mom talks about how before bed she would always want a snack. So she stopped at a gas station on the way from her brother's home to her place and she bought sour cream and onion chips and a drink. And then they're able to find out from eyewitnesses and through camera footage that they see this guy at the gas station looking at her. This random guy at a gas station yeah. just fucking looking at her. Don't look at us. We don't like that. Then they, like, put together that some eyewitnesses saw this guy in question force his way into her car. What? Eyewitnesses saw that happen and didn't do anything? When the, the guy fuck? was like, we should do something, the woman was like, don't get involved. <gasps> don't get involved. How dare. So 14 days in to her disappearance, the police release a photo of the man they suspect has something to do with her disappearance. He's buying alcohol. He's looking at Anaya. He's the one that's getting in the car. They finally identify him as this guy, Ibrahim Yazid. He's 30 years old, and he is currently out on bond for from some pretty fucking violent crime charges. He's been um, charged with first-degree kidnapping, robbery. He's beaten two men. He's shot two people the year before that and he's out on bond and he's staying at a hotel near the gas station that she stops at so at 11 22 they see that she's at the first gas station or they that's when the time that they think she's there a few minutes later there's some eyewitnesses that says she was seen at another gas station and she was seen buying a small cigar or someone bought a small cigar which again if you remember the conversation of like i'm smoking a blunt lol mm-hmm so they see Ibrahim Yazid exit and return to the passenger side door of the car in the footage or after he buys the cigar. His picture is blown up. They know this guy. They know who they're looking for. They have a clue that he is in Florida, 100 miles away. He's hiding in the woods. Um, and so they find him. He does not go peacefully. Um, they 
do, there is a physical altercation between him and the officers who take him in. And he reports to the, um, he's extradited to Lee County or to, at, back home to Alabama. And he walks in the courthouse and his face is swollen um, from trying to get him. Um, so he's claiming innocence. He's like, nope, wasn't me. Um, and at this time, you know, they're still looking for Anaya. They mm-hmm. don't have where she is. They don't know where she is. Um, and because her father is like a well-known UFC champion, um, or her stepfather's a favorite, like they're able to get media coverage, you know? I mean, so the family goes on to Dr. Phil, um, the commissioner or something of the UFC, like adds to the reward. The reward of finding her is like over a hundred thousand dollars. You know, they're making pleas, the internet or the media, you know, rallies around this family. And so then they get another lead with this guy, Antoine Fisher, who knows um, Yazid. So he says that he helped Yazid expose of evidence. So they initially charge him, but the charges are dropped because I don't think they have enough evidence. But his story is that that night, uh, early in the hours of October 24th, Yazid walks in and is like, hey, I need to run an errand. Can you come with me? And he gets in this Honda CRV that is... Anaya's car and they go pick up a gun or something like that. They go run some errands and eventually like they end up at this like wooded area and Fisher is in the car and he sees Yazid pull something from the trunk that is like covered in a comforter and his two legs or something. He sees her body. He sees her body and he sees it dragging and disposing of it. And so he's like, thanks so much for asking me to come with you. Yeah. So when Yazid gets back in the car, he's like, tell me that's not a body. And Yazid goes, it won't come back on you or your family. So with Fisher's testimony and with his evidence that he presents, they now have like the area that they might find some evidence. So they're searching the area for Anaya and they find these sorrel boots and this is like all they have really so far. So they call her parents, um, her mom and her stepfather. And they're like, hey, can you come down to the precinct? They come down to the precinct. They show them a picture of the boot that they find. And her stepfather is like, excuse me for a moment. He leaves and someone sees him punching a concrete wall. These were boots that he had bought for her on a trip to New York City. So they return to the woods. They, like, now have a lead that there's evidence that, like, you know, they find and they find her wallet and they find her body. The cause of death is a gunshot wound to the head. According to Fisher's testimony, it's Yazid had said, you know, she came for my gun. And so I had to kill her because she was trying to escape. Now, Yazid is charged with capital murder. And this is on top of all of his other charges. He is in, there is footage of him in the courtroom and her mother and stepfather are there. And this guy is like laughing and joking. And he's like, makes a plea. He says to the judge, you know, there's no evidence tying me to this crime. You can't prove anything like these charges should be dropped. And I was like smiling. It's like 
it's really fucking sick to see someone just like, and this family is just watching all of this unfold. So Yazid has been in jail since without bond, obviously since January, 2021, as of June 26, 2020, he was charged with a murder that he did from 2018 of this guy, Stephen Hampy. Mm-hmm. He hasn't even, like, been tried for the murder of Anaya Blanchard. The prosecutors are seeking the death penalty, but because of the pandemic, it slowed all of the criminal cases. So obviously, like, we're very far behind. And, you know, we've seen this in so many other cases, but Angela, Anaya's mother has started a nonprofit called Anaya's Heart, which talks about safety and education and also helps find um, missing loved ones. And in Alabama, there is a law called Anaya's Law that they're trying to get passed. And it is a law that allows judges to deny bond for any violent offenders. Um, So if you're Mm -hmm. charged with a violent crime, you can be denied bond based on a judge's decision. Um, And in February 2020, the Alabama House voted 104 to zero in favor of the new restrictions. I mean, this guy had been charged with really heinous, violent crimes and shouldn't have been out. And Anaya's roommate, even in the 48 Hours episode, is like, how is this possible that someone is, you know, charged with these crimes? And again, it's I understand innocent until proven guilty and our judicial system and our criminal justice system is has a lot left to be desired. Mm -hmm. But, like, this guy was just, like, lying in wait. It's almost like you're in shark-infested waters and you don't know. You know, this is, like, minutes from their apartment. It's horrifying. And in a way, you're like, had it been a swift and speedy trial, you know, had, like, he been tried for these previous crimes that clearly he was guilty of, he wouldn't have been out Mm -hmm. just, like, lying in wait for an opportunity to hurt someone. And it's like she was just at the wrong place at At the the wrong wrong time. time. And she was just with her brother. You know what I mean? Like she just was. It all happened so fast. And yeah, that's what it feels like. Oh, God. And the fact that she was someone who was so aware. Yeah. And worried about this exact thing thing. Exactly. Well, there goes my whole defense plan. Because basically all I think is because I think about murder all the time (laughs) totally that it would be like too weird if then i got murdered well what's so crazy is like she goes into a gas station right and like on her way home like a Mm -hmm. neighborhood gas station and picks up chips and a drink yeah how do you think he got in her car do you think he just threatened her with a gun or something Uh i mean he had a gun right you know we do know that and i feel like based on the like, on the side of the card, there's side swipes. Like, I'm wondering if she tried to escape. Like, yeah, I'm yeah. sure she did everything That's she could. That's probably why I shot her. I mean, I'm sure she did. Yeah, I'm sure she did. I, You know, you can't... Uh, sometimes there's no lesson to learn and there's no way it was, to win. It's really hard to beat a gun. I remember taking self-defense class when I was younger. And they go over, like, if somebody has a knife... um like a few things you can do and they were like and if somebody pulls a gun run run you don't win at that my mom (laughs) has always told me you know if someone pulls out a gun you run because the uh, the chances of them hitting a vital organ are so low Mm. it's really sad it's really sad and at the end of the episode they 
they they did like 2000 people came to celebrate her life a couple months after her death December 21st 2019 and the mayor had made that Anaya's day. Like she, she, mm. they like gave it, you know, and, mm-hmm. but you saw like her best friend say something and it was like, Anaya left me with just like the best memories of her. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I was really moving. I, I cried watching it cause it's just like, it's such a loss and it's just like beautiful young woman's life that didn't have to go this, like, just it it just was so it's so crazy to me of like we talk often about you know murders and stuff of like people we people they know or you know or like people who have some connection you know whatever it may be it's all terrible but like it's just the the randomness of this is really unsettling you yeah know? absolutely anyway that's well, well that's the story of Anaya telling. Blanchard and yeah. she's an incredible person and I know she is missed by her loved ones thank you for telling it you're welcome okay it's very you know in stories like that you just don't know how to end the episode do you no no you don't it's really hard I mean and I hate to leave them with that because um what is a funny thing that happened to me today let me think let me think today that's pretty limiting Okay. It's just begun. It's morning. What did what happened to me yesterday that I can leave them with? I have been listening to audiobooks and yeah. I listened to Anne Rule's book, which I can't recommend enough. Really? The Stranger Beside Me. It's about her relationship with Ted Bundy. <gasps> because this Ooh. is so crazy. I don't know if you guys know this. Probably a lot of you do. do yeah. I didn't. I didn't realize that the deal with Anne Rule is that she was um, working at an outreach program with Ted Bundy to, like, help people in crisis and that they were friends and that she wanted to become a crime writer. It was, like, her goal. And these murders started happening. And she was like, I'm going to write about these murders. And he was like, yeah, okay. And she was writing about the murders and he was doing the murders and they were friends and then all through their friendship things would happen where like some women that survived or didn't get killed were able to tell people it was this guy here's what he looked like and he said his name was Ted and the sketches look like Ted and his name is Ted and she starts getting a little creeped, but is also like, what are obviously the not chances? my friend. And at some point, they're like, he drove a VW bug. She calls her friend that works for the police and is like, I'm not trying to make a thing. I've got this friend, Ted. He doesn't even have a car. But this is such a weird question. If I give you his name, his name is Ted Bundy. His name's Theodore Bundy. Will you just see if there's a car registered to him? There isn't, there isn't, there isn't. Like, I'm sure there's not. And then they're like, yeah, there is. It's a VW bug. And she's just like, oh my God. But also she's like, I know for a while is. after he gets in trouble and he's a suspect, she's like guilty feeling because she doesn't know she was the one that tipped the police off. She's spoiler alert. She's not like other. They got other tips about him that were way more provocative than her being like my friend. Um, But 
all throughout it, she still has a friendship with him, even after he goes to jail, where he's a suspect and he's going to be tried and stuff. She'll meet with him or they'll write letters like so she's telling the whole thing from a perspective of I was friends with him and I was becoming a crime writer at the same time. What are the fuck? She goes, if you wrote this as a movie, it would be unbelievable. People would be like too implausible. Too much of a stretch. So the book is phenomenal. But interestingly enough, I was like, oh, Anne Rule, you're such a good writer. I love this. But remember, I did it audible. So this, there's a woman who's telling everything, but speaking first person. Right. Because it's her book. Yeah. So to me, this woman is Anne, is Anne Rule, right? Yeah. So then I go, oh, Anne Rule's great. And I buy another book, Audible, that's about the Green River Killer. And it's a different woman. Reading it? And I can't get past it. Because I keep going, that's not Anne. Why is this woman acting like Anne? I got so used to the voice and stranger beside me that I need her to be the one to do all Anne Rule's books. Because now that's you know, Anne Rule's could... voice to me. You should just, oh, wow. I wish there was like a way to customize who does your Audible if you could pay. Oh, or I'm just like, Anne Rule, if you're listening, because I know you've got to be a fan you've of the podcast. You've got to be a fan of the There's podcast. No, she's There's not. no way, yeah. Um, we're both just doing same quality, same caliber work. Uh, also, same reach. <laughs> same reach. Um, <laughs> so I'm sure she's listening. And here's what I want to say, Anne. Couldn't you have just picked one person to cast in the role of Anne of Rule? You. Did you really need to the other get one someone unioned up. The other one unioned up. She couldn't afford her anymore. Must have been. Um, but I have to say this Green River Killer woman, um, I have nothing against you, but you are not the voice of Anne Rule. If you listen to Green River Killer, do you think you'd feel that that voice was Anne? Definitely. If I listened to it first. Yeah. Of so course. Buyer beware. Or just, you know, do the thing where you read the book yourself. You can <laughs> imagine, you know, do the thing. I don't know. It's dear readers. How you about could, some reading? How about some reading? <laughs> See you guys next week. See you next week for more stories of Ant. Oh, I'm excited for your story. Yeah. Okay. Bye. Bye, dear.